Welcome to PPM Simplifies. This is a weekly podcast that will help you have a better understanding on environmental regulations and how they relate to your industry. In each episode, we'll talk with experts across various industries who will share their insights with you. This is PPM Simplifies. so excited to have you with us for this episode and today we have a very special guest we have mike luckett out of our baton rouge louisiana office mike is a professional engineer with over 30 years of experience in the environmental industry he has done everything on the underground storage tank side to the industrial side and even compliance side you'd be hard pressed to find a more well-rounded uh, professional than mike luckett mike good morning to you so glad to have you with us morning todd thanks for having me Absolutely, man. So we got a pretty cool topic today, I think. It's a topic that really matters as if you've had a release, if you've got a contaminant plume, this tool is really something that if you're able to use it is very key. And that's risk assessment. Risk assessment has been around um, for a very long time and it's always being tweaked. But as a general comment, don't you agree that that's the art uh, of, of taking a site to, to no further action is that risk assessment piece? Absolutely. You know, risk assessment is how you determine if you've got a risk to human health and the environment and to determine if you need to do anything further in terms of remediation. So it's a key part of the process. No, no, no doubt about it. So we're going to talk t- today, we're going to talk about risk assessment. And I, this will apply to many states, but each state has a very specific way that they might use you know risk assessment and they're going to call it something different and they're going to have different ways to evaluate the risk uh, for instance in texas they call it tarp in louisiana we call it recap but we're going to use examples in louisiana to kind of walk through the conversation so we think about louisiana let's talk specifically about recap and as a general comment the tool's been around i think 20 plus years how do you view re- how do you view recap in louisiana when you do have a um, a release so in uh, Louisiana, when you're starting to deal with a release, what you have to figure out is what your inputs are. That's the key to recap. Everything is uh, conditioned upon the inputs and all the calculations are the same regardless, but you need to know what your inputs are, which are everything from your plume size to your uh, groundwater classification to your soil types, to your groundwater makeup, all kinds of factors that go into uh, the calculations. And if you get those right, then it's easy to get recap, right? Uh, absolutely. And then one, one thing that I think about, you know, Mike, as you set the stage there, it really is about the site setting. It really takes an effect. Is the groundwater, is it drinking water? Is it potable? Is it shallow? Is it deep? What, what's, what are the levels of contamination? What's the, the site usage and setting? I mean, there are a lot of parameters that come into this and, you know, recaps, risk assessments in, in general, uh, they can be very straightforward uh, on simple sites, but they can also be pretty complex. Yeah, they're especially complex on uh, industrial type sites where you have a lot of different constituents interacting. You may have interacting plumes. Um, you may have multiple layers of groundwater that you're dealing with. Yeah, they can get really complex, no question about it. Now, now in Louisiana, Walk me through the basic initial, maybe risk assessment default into the different, you know, different types of, of 
of risk assessments and recap. So when you first uh, find impact at a site, you're going to look at the screening standards, which are basically what uh, Louisiana has published as the initial uh, most stringent screening that can happen on a site to determine if your impact is a potential uh, source of harm to the human health and the environment. So those screening standards, for instance, the groundwater screening standards are all based on drinking water standards with the assumption that you're dealing with a groundwater uh, drinking water aquifer. The uh, soil screening standards uh, are affecting a drinking water aquifer. So that's your first initial test to see what you've got that matters at the site. Gotcha. And, and you know, as, as you collect data, and that's the key thing, you know, to get all these inputs that you referenced, you have to collect a lot of data, you know, a lot of data. And, and, and to get there, one thing, Mike, is, is risk assessments are done across an area isn't there a way that you can begin to tie those together so you you kind of have a sense of the setting of not just a particular site, but a but but an area in regards to what you know risk assessment could look look like in that area? Yeah, absolutely. Your first key input that you need to know is what type of groundwater do you have? Is it a groundwater one, groundwater two, groundwater three? And that ranges from drinking water at groundwater one, potential drinking water at groundwater two, and kind of useless water at groundwater three. And uh, an area will have typically a single type of water classification that can affect it. And knowing what that is, you can go to any site in that area and you have a starting point for how you conduct your risk assessment. And I think as, as states utilize this risk tool, that's one of the real values is if you can, if you have an incident, a release, and you know that a risk assessment has been done nearby, man, that's a great reference tool to just give you a sense of what you're heading into. Yeah, and that's going to be your initial review. If you come across, say, a phase two or a UST closure, and you've got some hits over screening standards, we're going to, first thing we're going to do here is we're going to run a quick MO1 using nearby site information. And that MO1 could close the site right there, and you don't have to do anything even though you have hits over screening standards, or it can tell you what you need to target in terms of additional investigation as you go to further evaluation. You know, Mike, and on, on that note, uh, is, is again, we're starting to dissect risk assessment and what it means and using Louisiana as a specific example. Uh, if, if, if your state does not have a risk assessment tool, uh, that is really something that you need to help evaluate sites. So, you know, you, you can close out releases in a very smart manner, evaluating the risk to, to human health and the environment. Now, now, Mike, as you look at all the inputs, what's one of the most challenging inputs to get as, as, as you, as you, you know, feed it into, into the recap to determine, you know, what the site specific clamp levels are. Is there a particular component that's really difficult to get, or you need to be really uh, mindful of as you try to collect that data? So the the key things that you're looking for here, um, and actually probably one of the diff most difficult ones on a uh, on a uh, new site is uh, what your groundwater receiving body is going to be, because you what you're supposed to do you're supposed to look at which way is groundwater flowing at the site. And you may not have that information, so you look at uh, the nearest receiving body. And we actually had a site one time that I did where there was groundwater, I don't know, maybe one or 200 feet, or there was surface water a couple hundred feet uh, in one direction, 
and we didn't have groundwater flow direction at that time, so we used that as the receiving body. Well, we put our wells in, we sampled, and we found out groundwater was flowing in exactly the opposite direction year-round, and the nearest receiving water was like a mile and a half away, completely changed our standards, and we closed out the site. Well, and, and I mean, that's that real-world experience, and, and that that's the thing, because I think you, you really set, set a really key uh, point there, which is this. As you develop a risk assessment and you collect your you know initial data and you maybe you can come out and get additional data, sometimes the more data you get, the more you realize something may have been incorrect in the initial evaluation. So risk assessments need to be fluid, and, and, and that is a value, isn't it? That is absolutely correct. And as you proceed with the site, it's always good to go back and check your additional inputs that you had because, as you say, you may learn more things that change what you did, or maybe as you reduce concentrations, maybe some of the contaminants go away. And so things like additivity revise and you can reevaluate your standards for the site. So all of those factors definitely come into play. Man, spot on. And now let's geek out a little bit. Let, let, let's dig into some specifics. You know, in Louisiana, I think initially RECAP was used for underground storage tank sites, but then it was quickly adopted for industrial setting sites. Now, I know oil and gas doesn't really use the RECAP tool as much as, as, as probably they ought to, but could you talk some differences between, you know, how an Appendix 1 evaluation uh, versus an MO2 evaluation might work between a UST site and industrial site? Right. So uh, the Appendix I, which is for the UST sites, is um, they what they've done is they've calculated a lot of those initial inputs for you. So they've set the source size at 30 by 30. They've given you a range of source depths to use. Um, they've given you other factors, and then they've tabulated all of that data uh, at every level. So screening standard, MO1, and even MO2, they have tables for that so that you can look up uh, your numbers instead of having to perform calculations. Uh, it's still using all of the same calculations. It's still using all of the same methods, but it's just pre-calculated to a large extent. Whereas an MO2 uh, is going to make you do everything from scratch and you have to bring in all of your inputs from the site. You have to tell them what the source size is. You have to tell them what your FOC is. You have to tell them all of the various factors that you need to get put in run your Domenico model to get your DAP, and um, do all of these calculations basically uh, by hand, if you will, to get to the numbers that you need. Now, now Mike, do you think it's a fair statement to say that as a state, a regulatory agency begins to use a risk assessment protocol, as they get more and more experience with that, and they have more and more you know, sites that utilize the risk assessment, and they bring it back, and you get this data, and you begin to kind of build it up, you can begin to build in assumptions, and, and that really helps speed up the process. Is that, is that a fair statement? There are definitely assumptions you can build in to your initial evaluations. A lot of times you may have to go back and confirm some of that information, uh, such as a groundwater classification. Even though I know everything around it may be a groundwater three, if I don't have a site within a mile, I still have to prove that. So though, that's where you can use those assumptions to make your initial evaluation uh, to determine what you need to do. But most of the time, you still have to go back and prove uh, that those are correct. Gotcha, gotcha. So, you know, 
Mike, this has been a really good conversation. Maybe a, a couple of final thoughts as we wrap up this podcast for our listening audience. What are some tips that you might share in regards to thinking through using a risk assessment tool and in Louisiana using RECAP? Uh, what are some things you might share with our listeners? I think the biggest thing is to uh, very carefully evaluate the um, pathways. That's going to be one of the keys because, you know, you you look at um, obviously a soil to groundwater pathway and you say, okay, that's my pathway that I have to look at. But then you run an SPLP and you might have an opportunity to eliminate that. You look at an industrial soil pathway and then you find out, oh, they're fixing to build a big building on top of this. Well, if they build a building on top of it, the industrial pathway no longer applies. So you have to really carefully look at your pathways, just like with the groundwater thing earlier, which direction is groundwater actually flowing so that you make sure that you get the best information for uh, assessing the true risk. Man, absolutely. So uh, one last question for you, my friend. What, what's been the craziest risk assessment you've ever been associated with? Uh, actually, I've got one I'm working on right now that uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, new constituents like 1,4-dioxane, uh, a boatload of other constituents in the VOCs, SVOCs, metals, they're all there. And uh, two groundwater levels that we're dealing with, a variety of soil types that we're dealing with, uh, different, those, the zones are thinner and thicker across the site. There's nothing consistent about this site. It is definitely the most complicated risk assessment I've ever been involved with. The, that that sets up when you get that kind of hodgepodge and different, you know, settings on one side, man, that really uh, amps up the level of complexity. Mike, man, what a great conversation. I know our listening audience has enjoyed this. Uh, any last thoughts, my friend? No, just, um, just make sure you look at everything very carefully when you do risk assessment, and it can be the best tool in your toolbox. Well said, my friend. Well said. So if uh, you're out there and you're listening to Mike and, and, my, and our, my conversation and you have some things you'd like to follow up on or discuss that further with us, easiest way to find us is hop on our website, ppmco.com, and you'll find a About Us and Contact Us area, and you can hit that email, and that'll alert Mike and I. We'll be very happy to to discuss this with you further. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a, a real treat. I hope you have a have a great day. And to our listening audience, I hope you had a fantastic 2022 as we ring in the new year. Uh, Mike, you got any big plans for the new year? Uh, nothing major. Okay. Watching okay. football. <laughs> yep. Uh, there will be some good football as, as the year plays out, no doubt about that. All right. Well, well listen, uh, thanks for joining us, and thanks for our listening audience for joining us again. This is Todd Perry signing off. This is PPM Simplifies. Thank you for finding our podcast. For more information, be sure to visit our website at ppmco.com. To stay updated on new episodes, feel free to subscribe to PPM Simplifies on your podcast app of choice. Until next time, this is PPM Simplifies.